On this episode of the podcast, we discuss The Mummy, live in Seattle, America. (laughs) Stuart, Stuart, did you just forget what state we're in? (laughs) No, it's uh, Washington. There you go. Nice work. Nice work. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Wow. Coming on a down note there, Elliot. Yeah, what was that all about? Are you you know, okay? guys, maybe it's this Seattle gray that's got me down. <laughs> sure. You know, I heard the blues were calling. You Toss salad and I scrambled eggs. You already did these... Frasier jokes before the show started. I don't know. For the people at home, the Frasier jokes are new. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> but you're killing our vibe here in the room. You're right. I'm sorry. We're in Seattle, the home of mummies. <laughs> there is a legend uh-huh. that there shall come a day yeah. when three morons will appear in the city of the needle of space and there waste time Speaking of a curse of a mummy, and that story is called Are you... Three Men and a Mummy. <laughs> okay. Starring Steve Gutenberg and Ted Danson and Tom Selleck. Mm-hmm. So and who was... plays the mummy? Uh, the mummy from uh, Monster the... Squad. Well, hold on a second. Do you think they dug up a real mummy for that, Dan? <laughs> Did you say the mummy as himself in the yeah, credits? That's right. That's right. Uh, so, this is a podcast yep. where we talk about bad movies. Uh-huh. Okay, I follow. And what's making eye contact with me right now, and it's weird. <laughs> All right, I didn't realize that was in your fucking writer that I couldn't make <laughs> eye contact with you. Stuart, Changes when we're out on the road. Yeah, Stuart believes that if you make eye contact with him outside of Brooklyn, New York, that you can absorb his soul. Yeah. And he does not want anyone knowing what he's been doing with that soul. I'm a- Cowardly and superstitious person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why Batman was able to defeat you so easily. <laughs> yeah. What was your Batman villain name? Beer Man? You, beer Man? You committed beer-themed crimes? <laughs> like what? Stealing beer? I don't... I think that's the only one, yeah. <laughs> I mean... You have, like, beer guns that you spray beer in people's <laughs> I mean, eyes? Yeah, just makes everyone real sticky. the influence of beer, I think. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, a I mean, that crime. is a crime. Does Batman do a lot of, like, traffic stops? <laughs> <laughs> You've been drinking. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to get out of the car, sir. Can I trust you? <laughs> um, no, we didn't watch any Batman movies. We watched The Mummy. Tonight. What? We Brendan, literally... Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. We no, watched that tonight. Boris no. Karloff's The Mummy. No, we watched Tom Cruise's The Dark World's is Dark Universe's is yeah. The Mummy. You sure it wasn't Martin Lawrence's Big Mummy's House? Which I guess would just be a tomb or a pyramid. Yeah. Was it that yeah. one? No, it was not. We, again, I said, it's Tom Cruise's The Mummy. Uh, was it Christine Applegate in Don't Tell Mummy the Babysitter's Also uh, Dead Like the Mummy Is? 
God damn it, Elliot. I you told who? you that we wasted so much time. <laughs> was it was it Danny DeVito's throw mummy from the train? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a priceless antiquity. Yeah, Indiana Jones comes out. It's like, that mummy belongs in a museum. Danny DeVito's like, well, I'm throwing it off this train. <laughs> that would be, I would love to see Danny DeVito in an Indiana Jones film. I mean, he kind it's of basically, is, right? Yeah. I guess he is in uh, Romancing, the, Romancing stone. the Stone. Yeah. But, uh, all right, well, my, all my dreams have been answered. Like, yeah. bye, guys. <laughs> so well, normally we watch a movie and we talk about it, and we're going to do that right now. <laughs> and this night is no different. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, why is this night different from all other, other nights? It's not. All right. That's pulling from my people, who the mummies oppressed for thousands of years. I watched this movie, I'm like, every time that mummy got hurt, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Egypt. Take that, Pharaoh. Won't let my people go. But I guess what I'm saying is, guys, this time, it's personal. <laughs> so let's talk about what happens in The Mummy. So uh, the most exciting thing about this movie to me is we start with the Universal logo, and then it spins around, and we see the Dark Universe logo. Now, I'll answer the question for future generations listening to this. What is the Dark Universe? Because we've never heard of it before. Well, the Dark Universe is Universal's attempt to rebrand its Universal Monster classic characters as a superhero-style shared universe where there'll be a team of them, I guess, fighting crime and eating lime, you know, as they say. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> they all go to the beach to hang out Yeah, they have tequila shots afterwards. Yeah. Uh, right. Because if, we can, if I can take you guys on a flashback, uh, which this movie does a lot of, the Universal Monsters were the original shared cinematic universe, and they all, it was very organic in that the head of Universal said, these monsters aren't making that much money individually. Let's throw a bunch of them into a movie mm-hmm. together. And then let's stick Abbott and Costello in there, too. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. And then when he wasn't working out anymore, they said, forget it. And then a movie called Monster Squad came along mm-hmm. and changed nothing. <laughs> and <laughs> flopped pretty badly. Was yeah. Monster Squad a Universal movie? I don't think no, it was. No, it wasn't because they couldn't use the Universal designs. That's they why they all look... Slightly different than their classic And they forms. couldn't say Creature from the Black Lagoon. They'd just say, like, Fish Man or something. Gilman, yeah. Gilman, yeah. which is just a, a dentist. <laughs> just Dr. Yeah, Gilman. Fred Gilman. Fred Gilman. Oh, he's all dripping all this briny water in my mouth while he's cleaning me out. Anyway, so we have the Dark Universe logo because Universal has big plans for these characters. They are all going to come together, and this is the introduction of those movies. If you don't count Dracula Untold, which Universal has decided to not count anymore. Yeah, kind of like Marvel did with the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk. They're like, eh, it's kind of part of our universe, yeah, like, but you can kind of forget about it. Like it's an apocryphal film found in a cavern near the Dead Sea. <laughs> <laughs> some, some moviegoers believe in it, but it's not official canon. Anyway, we go from that Dark Universe logo, which is not that exciting. It's just the Universal logo, but it's dark. And uh, we see the text on screen of an Egyptian resurrection prayer cut to... Where else after you see an Egyptian resurrection prayer in a movie called The Mummy? Cut to England, 1127 A.D. <laughs> where a bunch of crusader knights, without dialogue, bury a dead man with a, with a magic gemstone. Immediately cut to present day. That tomb is discovered by guys digging new London tube tunnels under, in the city of London. And there's a, then we cut to a bunch of talking heads on the news talking about this new transit project for London. And for a minute I was like, guys... I might be pretty excited if this movie is about transit. <laughs> like if Mummy stood for like municipal, underground, metropolitan, moving, mm-hmm. yabos. Yep. 
Surround. Yellows around. Like a municipal underground moving men yelling yes. subterranean. <laughs> okay. Beneath the streets. Beneath uh, the streets, yes. So I was like, but alas, an archaeologist on TV goes, hey, these crusaders went to Egypt, apropos of nothing. Uh, then we cut, it's time for the movie to start, right? Wrong. Russell Crowe and his men take possession of the burial site, and in voiceover, Russell Crowe tells us the story of the ancient princess Amenet, who was the ruthless heiress to the pharaoh, but then the pharaoh had a son. Uh-oh. Boys before girls. Oh, man. And, yeah, that, uh, he's describing how she's, he first describes her as beautiful, like, chill out, dude. Whoa. <laughs> No, but I mean, like, that's the first thing he brings up. Like, oh, no, that's talk about her merits. She, yeah. He says You're that she's... are people objectifying mummies, is exactly. what you're saying. <laughs> he describes her as ruthless, I think the only one but... who's ever objectified a mummy was uh, John Astin's uh, character in The Frighteners, <laughs> <laughs> who is a ghost who has sex with a mummy at one, in one part. That's, that's right. Yeah. But anyway, continue. And he describes her as ruthless or merciless in a scene where she actively doesn't hit a guy with a stick. Like, it's just, it, you know, it causes a disconnect for me as a viewer. Well, you see, Russell Crowe is really putting, like, a very patriarchal spin on this story. Uh-huh. He's saying the princess shouldn't be made pharaoh. That would be crazy because she's all evil and stuff. And she plays into that stereotype by when the son is born and takes over her inheritance of the throne, she sells her soul to Set, the god of death. Because, uh-huh. you know what, there's a lot of different faces to all the Egyptian gods, but in this one, Set's just an evil motherfucker. Like, he just hate. he's just evil. Is he a snake head or a dog? Which kind of head he's does he have? He's a serpent god. Okay. The dog, you're thinking of probably Anubis, the jackal-headed god, uh-huh. who is also a god of death. And let's yep. not forget Osiris, who's also pretty much a god of death. <laughs> All the Egyptian <laughs> gods, except for Horus slash Ra, are pretty much gods of death. Yeah. I so guess to say the Egyptian god of death... Because have that much death... In the, you know, in Egypt, there was a lot of death going around. Yeah, all so. constantly. It's a little bit like saying some god was the Greek god of being kind of a jerk to everybody. <laughs> That's what they did. So she sells her solo set, and she's reborn, covered with tattoos, like that one monk in Quidon. And she, they tattooed hieroglyphics on her, and suddenly she has double pupils, which should make it much harder to see. And throughout the movie, I was waiting for the moment where that gave her an advantage, like she could see better, but it's just cosmetic, I yeah, guess. Yeah, like a guy runs up on her side and the other people catches him. Yeah, exactly. I would love to see Or her. she drives a car without having to turn her head to check her blind spot. <laughs> there was that one scene, there's that one scene where she goes to Warby Parker and she's like, give me the glasses with four lenses. <laughs> and they went, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to need to get my manager. And she... uh she kills her brother, kills her father, and then vows to give Set a mortal man's body to be reborn in. But while she's having some kind of like crazy, sexy, cool, blood sugar sex magic mm-hmm. moment where she's about to stab him with a magic dagger, he gets shot by a bunch of trank darts because apparently the ancient Egyptians knew the power of <laughs> tranquilizers in darts. <laughs> and she's buried as a mummy far from Egypt in a special mystic tomb that keeps her safe. Anyway, so Russell Crowe just tells us all this in voiceover, and you're like, all right. How do you know this? How do you know this, Russ? How do you know this, big Russ? Uh, it's probably going to matter later, right? Cut to. It's not completely unrelated. No, like no, this, a isn't, weird... this isn't a serious man where there's just a different story before the rest of it that's just thematically linked. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut to Iraq. Tom Cruise is our hero, Nick. And his sidekick, Vale, played by, who was it? Jake Johnson. Who's he, what's he from? He's the from New, New Girl. Girl. Which was, one is she? Uh, which one I mean, there's is she? So the there's new, new Girls every day. I mean, the New Girl is Zoe Deschanel. I mean, she's been around for a while. All right. Like, a New Girl would be like a baby. This is a rich vein of comedy. 
uh, and I've tapped it out. So uh, his sidekick, Vale, uh, I guess to, to in symbolism of the Veil of Tears or yeah. Beyond the Veil or whatever, mm -hmm. Uh, they're, it's not really clear if they're soldiers or mercenaries. They kind of well, are. They're both. They work for the army, but they're their own bosses. And they are supposed to be advanced scouts for the military, but they also loot antiquities for money. And they have kind of like, Tom Cruise runs them into a goofy kind of, one of those comedy action sequences where they're getting shot at, but they're like, whoa, 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 like, I told you never to do this, against a village full of insurgents who are presented as a literally faceless horde. I think we only see them from the back of their heads. Yeah, I mean, we see, like, the bullet hits more than them. I, I mean, yeah, yeah you, you, you said that this is, like, a very good, cheap way of doing a gunfight where all you see is squibs. You don't just, actually have to see the bad guys. You just get some squibs. They're running through a narrow hallway, and there's just gunshot squibs going off everywhere, and I'm like, look, they saved a lot of money doing the battle this yeah. way. They use that money to then call in an airstrike, which opens up a crater unearthing Amonet's tomb. Uh-oh. Turns out... Nick Cruz has been trying to find some antiquities based on a map he stole from a lady archaeologist named Jenny, who he slept with. He's kind of a silver-tongued devil. He's always mm -hmm. talking his way out of trouble and then talking his way into trouble. Yeah, and he got her number from a bathroom stall. It was 8675309. I believe, yeah, there's a deleted scene where he goes, I got it. I yeah. got, got it. Yeah. Uh, so Nick, Vale, and Jenny, they go explore the tomb, and they find a pit of mercury, and there's all these ritual warnings. She's like, something very powerful is buried down here. This is meant as a warning to keep this thing guarded in and other people out. And this would be very ominous if Russell Crowe hadn't already told us everything that's in the hole. And so it's like, yeah, dude, just get with the mummy. You already told us about this. I'm already familiar with this hole. It's like, but it, I was thinking, it's like if I'm you... I'm bored if, by this hole already. <laughs> yeah, we've seen the hole. It's... It's like if you, Alien was the exact same brilliant movie it is, but beforehand there was a scene where the robot Ash is being briefed about the xenomorph, and they're like, look, there's this crazy alien, he, trip, he busts out of chests and he spits acid <laughs> blood, he's got another little tiny mouth don't, inside his big mouth. Don't put your face near one of its eggs. You're, yeah, he, they were a bunch of space jockeys and it burst out of them on this planet, go find him. And then when John Hurt is exploring, you'd be like, speed it up, John, like, <laughs> we know what's going to happen. So the mummy has already undermined itself. So, uh, Nick, through his own dumb actions, he ends up raising the sarcophagus out of the mercury. A bunch of CGI bugs come out everywhere and they bite Veil. And Nick hallucinates Amonet in the desert. She tells him that he set her free and he's her chosen. Again, we know what this means already because the movie told us, but all the characters are way behind us. So we're like, speed it up, guys. They airlift out the sarcophagus, <laughs> ravens everywhere, a sandstorm comes in. This mummy is bad news right off the bat. <laughs> but Jenny's real excited. She's like, an Egyptian sarcophagus in Mesopotamia? And it reminded me so much of the Monty Python, The Meaning of Life scene where they're like, a tiger in Africa? <laughs> but Jenny takes a moment to be like, Nick, you only care about yourself. That's your problem. Which is a weird thing to say to someone you assume you will never see again. Uh, vale gets possessed by Amonet, and he just starts stabbing away. Sorry, Courtney B. Vance, who we didn't mention is in the movie. You get stabbed. <laughs> Vale's totally zombified, and Nick has to shoot him a couple times. Cloud of Ravens smashes into the plane. Yeah, the, the, the pilot's like, that's so Raven, and the, the co-pilot laughs at it for half a second before they die. Before the Raven's beaks puncture his face. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if I gotta go, I gotta go laughing. But, you know, I'd rather Ahmed take me with a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think this was the first scene where they really tried to be scary. Was it successful for you, seeing... Courtney B. Vance stabbed like that. And he's a great actor, and I didn't want to see him go because he was my favorite person in <laughs> so character So you were scared the by the idea of Courtney B. Vance as an actor, like, just not making movies again. 
We're well, not even just, or being in the rest just not of the being. Movie. I didn't think they really stabbed him for real, Dan. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's a good actor. He was acting that he was stabbed. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just didn't, I didn't like the being teased with, hey, Courtney B. Vance is going to be in this movie, and then they remove him. Yeah, I mean, you're scared by the loss of entertainment is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And it made me wish that he was the hero of the movie. But So were you guys scared at this point? Uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of weird how Jake, Jack Johnson, Jake Johnson, what's his name? Jake Johnson. The, the decision to have him have, like, one weird milky eye the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like cable? Yeah, it was strange. So that played. Dude, in, I found it off. That played into your fear of getting cataracts. Yes, it yeah. did. Each time the mummy takes over somebody, their eyeballs, their pupils roll back into their heads, and it looks hilarious. <laughs> it's like she played a slot machine. Yeah, 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 like yeah, like the mummy is making this person very much over it. <laughs> <laughs> if someone doesn't use a gif of the later on when the when the uh computer worker his eyes roll back as a way to express i'm done with you over twitter <laughs> then why'd they even make this mummy movie uh the plane crashes we get some zero g action as the plane is in free fall they went up in a vomit comet to shoot this everybody it's not a bad scene and uh, it's it's very it very much feels like the mo- like a scene they added in when tom cruise got attached to the project yeah they were like tom cruise will you want to play this movie well i'm gonna fall at some point right <laughs> Like, I'm going to fall from a great height and be like, oh, 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 like that's, I mean, he doesn't make that noise, it's just, but I had yeah. to communicate the face. Tom Cruise's favorite, famous noise. Oh, 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 oh. Well, he, you, in his earlier movies, he hadn't really tied it down and he has yeah. that goofy, <laughs> Yeah. Whenever he, whenever Tom Cruise does a stunt, he tugs at his collar like, yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if he's one of those guys that like, that's the only way he feels alive anymore. Like he needs that rush. I mean, I have to assume so. He's a strange man. Yeah, I feel. Do you think his like stunt team is like shit? Yeah. <laughs> We're making another He's movie. He's like, have I done a whole movie where I'm on fire yet? <laughs> no, Tom, you haven't. Have I done a whole movie where <laughs> I'm just on kidding. fire? Why wasn't I picked for that movie, <laughs> Tom? I don't think you understand what that movie's about. I want to do a movie where I drown in every scene. All right, Tom. Okay. Uh, Nick saves Jenny's life by giving her the only parachute, and the plane crashes in England. Uh, I'm not sure, and I couldn't. I'm not sure if it's because they're flying to England, since it's an American military flight. Maybe it's a base in England, or if they took the the mess- Iraq to like New York route that goes through the UK. I don't know. So you think they'd be going to like Landstuhl or like a military I hospital I mean, I didn't in Europe? Clear the flight plans for this movie. I'm. <laughs> I mean, I think it was a, maybe know. it was the scenic route. They wanted to see all those castles. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's the plane usually does that if you ask him nice. <laughs> <laughs> Swing by and take a look at some castles. Well, add seven hours to the flight, but sure, what do you, we're in a tin can in the air. Why not? <laughs> so uh, Nick crashes, but then he wakes up in a body bag in a morgue, untouched, and it's a chance for Tom Cruise to walk around with no clothes on and show us how built he is at 54 years old. I mean, he's Jack, dude. He is super Jack. He's dude. Jack Reacher. <laughs> he is totally Jack Reacher. Reacher feature Jack Reacher? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, and Vale starts talking to him. That's right, guys. They are American werewolf in Londoning, Vale. He's yeah. now a ghost that talks to Nick. Uh, meanwhile, police were investigating the plane crash, which I thought was weird because they already investigated the plane crash, right? Because they pulled Tom Cruise's body out of it and put it in a body bag. Uh-huh. So well, these guys are investigating it like they didn't know a plane crashed. Yeah, so, like, like they're the security <laughs> guards, and they're like, <laughs> they're like, I heard a sound, but yeah. I guess I'll... Wait a minute, this plane shouldn't be here. <laughs> it should be in the sky. What's this plane doing in me bog? 
so, <laughs> I want a BAFTA award for that accent. <laughs> yeah, you, you promised no accent work today. <laughs> I never promised that. <laughs> Uh, the, anyway, they're the guys who are in every monster movie where it's their job to just wander in so the monster can kill them and show you what their powers are. The mummy, who is now a spindly, prickly, crackly, twitchy, crawly kind of uh, Ringu type of thing, uh, kills them with death kisses and absorbs their life essence and starts reforming its body. And the cops become zombies who screech like raptors, which was kind of silly. <laughs> and it's zombies walking around going like, and for, the, and for the most part, all these scenes that have a lot of special effects are done as dark and muddy as possible. It is the dark universe. What? And it is also a way to cheap out on special effects. No. Uh, Jenny, uh, she starts telling Nick, they go to a bar. She's like, it's weird that you, you survived that crash without a scratch. Anyway, I've been looking for this magic dagger and this magic jewel. <laughs> That you can perform, you can use to perform a ritual that brings a, uh, the body, that brings the god set into a man's body. Some crusaders took the jewel, and then she tells us more about the princess, and it's like, I know, we saw the beginning of the movie. Yeah, she should have just played the mummy starring Tom Cruise for <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise at that point. Like, yeah. Here, like, watch like, this. Just like in Spaceballs. Yeah. 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 Face, first, first Spaceballs reference of the night, guys. Buckle up. It's going to be a space ball-y night. <laughs> I feel like we mentioned Monster Squad and Spaceballs. It's like, are we going to mention every movie that Elliot thought was awesome when he was 12? <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Vale's ghost is like, Nick, meet me in the bathroom. And he goes, Nick, we're cursed. And Nick starts hallucinating that he's in an alleyway and the mummy attacks him with a horde of rats. And he's like, ah, ah. He comes to and he's with Jenny. And he's like, I saw a mummy. And she goes, eh, you just hit your head. You're crazy. And it's like, we're a scene ago. You were telling him about a magic dagger. <laughs> yeah, she she mentioned that she thought they'd angered the gods. Yeah, she at this says, point. "Nick, I think you. I think we may have angered the gods." One scene later, she's like, "Okay, enough with the crazy talk. Crazy talk." <laughs> I don't. I don't just believe in gods. I believe uh, God. I believe in the gods. <laughs> so it, it's a weird. It's one of these weird moments where I'm like. Is this a sequel to Multiplicity and I didn't realize it? <laughs> and the first Jenny went home and another Jenny showed up. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the mummy's just wandering around giving more guys zombifying kisses to steal their life energy or something. And it was around this time that I realized Tom Cruise is a man in his mid-50s, very well-preserved. And in his movies, he's always matched up with a <laughs> younger woman and kind of feeds off their younger energy. <laughs> guys. Yeah, go, what, are you, what are you suggesting, Elliot? I think... Tom Cruise what? is a mummy. Oh, man. Elliot, are you skipping to the end of the movie? <laughs> um, only thematically. I mean, in real life. But anyway, uh, for the purposes of my <laughs> career, I did not call Tom Cruise a mummy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Nick and Jenny are like, hey, let's go over to this old crappy church near the crash site. Or not crappy, this old creepy church. It's a beautiful church. Anyway, I'm sure it's a hist landmark historic site. It's so sad that so much zombie damage takes place. Uh, they go to this castle church where... The mummy shows up, and there's a zombie fight. She captures Nick, and she's about to stab him when she sees the jewel is not in the dagger. Oh, boy, she forgot the jewel. She's going to have to go back home, get it, put it in the dagger, yeah. come back to Tom Cruise. And it's like with a Lyft driver, you have to pay him both ways, right? You have to, I guess you tip both ways, too. Like, of course that's just you tip both ways. Ass. It's yeah. probably separate drivers. Yeah. He's not going to wait for you outside. He's not making a living wage. Yeah. He's got to keep hustling. Come on. I apologize. Someone, oh, very, I'm sorry. The audience is very upset about I that. I didn't realize that this is the national convention of deluded Lyft drivers. 
I apologize. I didn't realize there was such a hot button issue out here. Because I don't really think of Seattle as like a place with a lot of like tech app type stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do I think of when I think of Seattle? No coffee, no tech app stuff, mm -hmm. no Seahawks. Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Very sunny. Uh, anyway, so she's like, oh, my jam, I need it. There's a big zombie mummy fight. Cruz, at this point, Tom Cruise is just kicking mummies apart and smashing them with his hands. And there's some kind of funny gags in it, but it's so dark, it's hard to really make out what's going on. They get away in an ambulance, which, which was there. I guess that's the ambulance that the people who came to examine the crash site were in. Yeah. I don't know. Unless, like, relict churches are also ambulance parking lots in England. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they attack zombies. They're getting crawling all over their car. Ah, ah, ah. Well, there's the a moment where, so Tom Cruise is the one who brought them back here. And he's also the one who's driving the car, and they're, like, talking, and he's driving. And all of a sudden, he realizes he just drove back. Like, he can't get away from that mummy. He can't get the mummy. Yeah, he can't. With it. Well, she says... He is committed to this dark universe. He go, Jenny goes, she's in your head, and he should have gone, Zahambe, Zahambe. But he doesn't. I mean... He doesn't. For a while, when we Are were we watching Are we supposed it, to believe Tom Cruise is not familiar with the work of the Cranberries? <laughs> because, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he star in Far and Away? A movie about an Irishman? <laughs> I guess I guess I can't argue with that math. <laughs> I guess you're right, Elliot. Well, I mean, it felt kind of like they were playing that song in the movie because you kept singing it over and over. <laughs> it's a solid song. It's a solid horror song. It's off-putting. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they crash the car. And they drive back to where the mummy is. They crash the car, and the mummy's about to kill Jenny when... Trank darts, not this again. Some commando black ops wet works infiltrate exfiltrate types come in, and there's mm. like several dozen of them. And they they kidnap the mummy and they trank up Tom Cruise, which seems unnecessary at that point. Uh, anyway, this is where the dark universe really gets university because they get taken to the headquarters of Prodigium, which is the British government's. They don't really explain what it is. Kind of secret evil hunting force, and it's led by Russell Crowe as, you guessed it, Dr. Henry Jekyll. Uh-oh! Of Heckle and Jekyll, the cartoon crows! <laughs> He's the one who sounds like Jimmy Durante, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Heckle head, so I don't... <laughs> right, you're more, more of a Jekyll You're head. more of a Jek boy? <laughs> yeah. You love Jekking off to the Jekyll part of the cartoon? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Henry Jekyll, in the part in the Russell Crowe, he gives a bunch of long speeches about the shape of evil. We're always looking for evil. He is so avoiding saying the word monster. <laughs> like, yeah. it is crazy the tap dancing he has to do linguistically to get around saying monster. But you see, like, there's, like, a gill man hand in a jar, and there's, like, a Dracula skull in a jar. It's all, there's all sorts of great stuff. And Henry Jekyll, he's got to inject himself with his anti-hide medicine, or else Edward comes out. And no, not Eddie the dog from Frasier. Uh-huh. You're talking about uh, Eddie Deason, your favorite actor of all time? My favorite actor of all time, Eddie Deason, from War Games, uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, all sorts mm -hmm. of great 1941. stuff. 1941. 1941, yeah, sure. Nerd-type movies, all sorts yeah. of them. Except Revenge of the Nerds, he's not in that. That feels like a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> like an oversight. I've, yeah, Eddie Deason was on the phone to his agent, being like, why was I not given <laughs> I gave you one job. <laughs> Get me the nerd roles. But apparently, I was listening to an interview, apparently people come up to him all the time and tell him how much they liked him in Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> like, you're welcome, thanks, I guess. Anyway, Jenny also works for Prodigium. Uh-oh. What does that mean? Not much, really. 
Uh, it means that it's even more baffling that she did not believe that a mummy was after Tom Cruise. <laughs> that is a good point. Was she just like playing a game with his heart? Like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they've chained up Aminette in a room and they're just pumping mercury into her body in the hopes that eventually she will settle down enough that they can dissect her. And Aminette, as she, anyone would do, if you pump mercury into <laughs> yeah. their body, because well, they've explained earlier that mercury is like Egyptian anti-magic, no, but no bad stuff, magic stuff, you know. Okay. So if you're ever attacked by an Egyptian mummy, crack on, open a thermometer and just shove it in her face. Come mm. on, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Get an old Victorian hat and just kind of wring all the mercury out of the felt. Yeah. Wear <laughs> gloves. It will drive you crazy. It'll if probably you don't. work for a normal human too to shove a mercury thermometer in their face. So like I guess all, base, all bases are covered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Aminette is like, because she's awake and just talking to him. Hey, Nick, you're gonna take my lover's place in the set ritual. And they tell the story again of when she killed her family, and she literally says. They were different times, and it's like, oh, so <laughs> you, you like people didn't know it was wrong back then. Like it was okay to do those things. Yeah. Like, look, we're more enlightened now. People know it's not okay to kill your baby brother <laughs> and slit your dad's throat while he's sleeping. Like back then, we didn't know those things were okay. We we're okay. It was a more innocent time. Yeah, it was a different time. Ghosts give blowjobs. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and she starts tempting him with visions in his head. Meanwhile. The workers at that crusader tomb, remember that? They find the gemstone that belongs in the dagger, and Aminette has some kind of psychic premonition that she's done it. And she's like, time to go to end phase. Uh, and meanwhile, Jekyll's so like... So wait, is this a she intended to get captured situation? Because that's your favorite so. thing a bad guy oh, can I love do, it. right? I love it when a bad guy intends to get captured <laughs> and then does something that he could have done much more easily outside of a jail. <laughs> I don't understand why it's like uh, every now and then, I don't know if this happens in DC Comics because I don't read that, but every now and then in Marvel Comics, the same villain will show up in five books in one month. Like uh, suddenly five guys were all like, hey, you know who we haven't seen in a while? Fin Fang Foom. Let me put him in my book and I'll just pretend he's never, he hasn't been seen in a while. So you're Which is a, by the way, for people who don't know, a giant dragon he's man. A, he's a giant alien who looks like a dragon. Yeah. And he wears little purple shorts. And you can put him to sleep with, like, a magic onion if you make him smell it. <laughs> I don't know if that's still part of canon, but in the original story, <laughs> that's what they do. Uh, but, and so suddenly you're reading five books that Fin Fang Foom shows up in, and you're like, uh, this is a lot. I mean, I love Fin Fang Foom. This is a lot of Fin Fang Foom all of a sudden. So it's like uh, this, this movie is uh, not... So at that, uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember how I got onto that. So... <laughs> There was that period you where some. I love Fin Fang Foom. I mean, I do love Fin Fang Foom, but I'm, it's like even I can have too much Triple F, you know? But uh, there, there was this period where every movie they were like, hey, what if it turns out the bad guy wanted to get captured? And I wanted to be like, Hollywood, let's sit down for a minute. Now, I'm, let's, set us, let's table that issue about all the reboots. Because I tried to explain to you guys that when Khan showed up in Star Trek the first time, it was just an idea somebody had, and it wasn't like a thing they were referencing. You don't have to do, you can make a new thing. You don't have to do con again. So let's forget that. But guys, do you think it would be cool if the villain uh, got captured on purpose as part of its plan and five screenwriters all go, hey, I was going to do that. And then they look at each other and go, uh-oh. <laughs> I wish I could do that. But it's too late now. I've seen it's everything. too late, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I don't, but no, I don't think this is one of those cases. I think she didn't want to get captured. But they are so bad at capturing monsters that yeah. it just didn't hurt her at all anyway. And because uh, she uses a, so anyway, Dr. Jekyll is like, so we're going to end the curse. We're going to do the ritual. And then when Set is in your body, I'm going to kill you. And that way we'll kill Set. Tom Cruise, for some reason, doesn't like this idea. Yeah. 
and he he's like he's like what he's like I'm a huge star hold on a second yeah and uh, but you're gonna kill me Tom Cruise and I'm never gonna die I'm gonna ascend with Zemo he's like mate mate let's Russell Crowe's like mate let's uh, shut off the cameras again it's not we're not really killing you it's a character (laughs) you're in a movie and he's and Tom Cruise like right 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 I forgot I forgot okay I don't remember when I'm not in a movie and when I'm in a movie or not okay uh and so, but it's one of those things where it's like, this a weird idea, like, okay, they're going to give this god a mortal form and then murder it. It made me wonder, why does Set want a mortal form so badly? How does that help him in any way? Probably because being in a mortal body lets you feel the pleasures of the flesh. So you're saying You Set- can eat all the ice cream in the world. You can cover your body in all the ice cream you can buy. <laughs> Wait, are those the pleasures of the flesh? <laughs> There's there two of them. <laughs> you can make ice cream with your family. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Set is sitting on a throne in the Egyptian underworld, and he's just kind of like weighing the, he's weighing the hearts of dead souls against a feather to see if they belong in the eternal rest or mm. eternal fire. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, all this power means nothing because I'll never know what Stephen Colbert's Americone dream tastes like. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, what worth all these souls if Chunky Monkey has denied me? <laughs> anyway, so Nick's like, I don't like that. And he says, hide. Oh, no, he says, Jekyll, I'm not going to give you your meds. I'm going to take them from you until you uh, don't kill me. And he's like, well, now I'm going to turn into Mr. Hyde and we're going to fight a little bit. And Mr. Hyde is like, uh, Dr. Jekyll is very refined. Of course, Mr. Hyde is a <laughs> cockney bruiser. Yeah, there's a yeah. weird class system thing going on there like as soon as he turns evil he he just like he's a lower class uh i would say that russell crowe is much more adept at playing the bruiser than the refined guy when he comes walking out with a book i'm like there's that that book is empty (laughs) it's like there's there's a flask in there (laughs) it's like the moment in any porn movie where a guy's supposed to be working in an office and he's this jacked ex-con wearing a a very ill-fitting suit and tie yeah he's got like a neck tattoo you're like you're not an accountant (laughs) but with russell crowe in a book (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. It's more likely to be like a Nintendo Power or like, <laughs> or like country music guitar tablatures. Uh, anyway. <laughs> sure, I mean, he's got a band. Yeah, 30-odd <laughs> yeah, foot of grunt, sure. Yeah. Not good for called 30-odd foot of reasonable discussion. Yeah. Uh, so the mummy uses a spider to crawl into a lab worker's ear. It takes forever for this lab worker to realize a spider is crawling on his face. And it crawls into his ear and he's like, Huh, weird feeling in my ear. That's the thing, like, I slap my face thinking there's a bug on it way more often than there's ever a bug on it. I like to think that if there's an actual evil magic bug on my face, I would know it. I wish there was a little scene that showed him getting there late to work, and he's like, ah, a dentist appointment, ah, full of Novocaine. Go ahead, slap me in the face, can't feel it. No, all right, maybe, just don't wait till it wears off. (laughs) I love I, I love that if that was literally true and the director was like talking to the screenwriters like I, I know what you're getting at but I don't think we need the scene in here. The screenwriter's like how else does he not feel the spider on his face? And the director is like that's really what you're wondering about right now. So uh, the the mummy controls that guy and he frees her by just like smashing up all the machinery 
and uh, she calls up a wind and sandstorm. And, uh, and Nick she and, does a little bit of Cirque du Soleil stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, she's swinging around on chains. It's all very, uh, what's a Cirque du show, Soleil show? I don't know, Love? Maybe that love show. Yeah, that one, one, one more called like Gymnastamento. Zoomanity? Zoomanity, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Was that the original title of Zootopia? <laughs> that was the original title of Zoobly Zoo. <laughs> wow. Magic and Wonder are waiting for you. <laughs> Dan, you picked, I think, the one children's theme song where I'm like, I'll take your word for it. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know the words that one. Ask me the Denver Last Dinosaur song. I'll tell you all about that, but. Tell me about, I'll tell you about Zhuzha, but I don't know Zubali Zoo. I only know the theme song because I was like, it would come on and be like, well, time to turn the television off. <laughs> so that it was like when I used to record The Office on NBC on my DVR, and there'd always be that one minute of outsourced at the end, and I'd be like, delete. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to watch this. Anyway, uh, I want to make, I want to make our, uh, the kind of thing that I'm going to make a lot, this warning, uh, now that I live in L.A., a lot of great people worked on this movie. A lot of great people worked on Outsourced. I am in no way saying the people who worked on it are bad. Sometimes good people work on bad things. Anyway, so uh, she calls up a wind and sandstorm. Nick and Jenny just outrun it like crazy, and they're just running past civilians. They are not trying to help anybody. And it gets so big, all the windows in London are shattering. A huge sand cloud with the mummy's face on it engulfs the parliament building, and... This is, we never see how this affects London. Like, it just kind of happens. And it's like, all right, I guess London just dealt with that. Like, all the glaziers in London were rubbing their hands together with glee. <laughs> Boys, put down those bankruptcy papers. I'm, and I'm mean, back in business. I'm sure it, it chased the transit news off of the news that night. <laughs> like, wait, there's a bigger story than the, uh, the transit. Hold on, we don't Although, have... Although, if all the windows are broken, all this sand around. Uh, I don't know where you're, going. you're looking you can, at me as if I know where you're going with this. You can make glass out of sand. Okay. Yeah, but it's not like you could just do that at home. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you still got to pay a guy that's to a, do the job. That's a life, that's a life hack. hack. Yeah. It's a life hack for all the Londoners. <laughs> yeah, that's a life <laughs> hack. If something ever happens to your window, just get a tub full of sand and then do something to it. And then become a glazier. Yeah. Get fucking Superman or somebody show over and laser beam it. <laughs> I do wish there had been a scene where the queen is being introduced to a duke from somewhere yes. and his monocle smashes. <laughs> and she goes, I never. Anyway, uh, they're all running around. Nick jumps through a bus, which is kind of a cool stunt. Yeah. Like a bus is sliding towards them and he jumps through the windshield and just kind of rolls around the seats for a while. Uh, Vale's ghost shows up and is like, Nick, follow me, and takes them to a train tunnel where they are attacked by zombies. I don't know why Vale took them there. I don't know. I don't know what that was supposed to accomplish. The I think he has to like complete his like delivery of him to the mummy, maybe, so he can rest in He's peace. He's got to get a signature from the mummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a process server for the mummy. What if they showed up in the mummy's tomb and the mummy's not in? It's like, sorry, Nick, we're going back to the holding facility. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just stick up this incredibly easy-to-remove adhesive piece of paper to the mummy's tomb door. <laughs> yeah, and write some arbitrary time on it, because I was fucking home at that time. Oh, well, Write a number more. down that if you put it into the internet, they're like, no, don't recognize this number. <laughs> or it says, we'll be back tomorrow at the same time, the time we already know you're not at the house. <laughs> hmm, he wasn't here at 11 a.m., a time when almost nobody is at their house. I'll come back at 11 a.m. tomorrow. It's more convenient for me. Well, that's our five minute on deliveries, so we'll, uh, you've been great. Now for our five minutes on deliverance. You may be a redneck if... <laughs> If you fuck Ned Beatty? 
<laughs> I mean, it seems like that's casting a pretty wide net. <laughs> yeah, right. No, not every redneck, but if, if you do, then you no, are a redneck. No, not everyone who has had sex with Ned Beatty I'm is saying, a redneck, I'm saying, I mean, I'm saying exactly. No, you're not saying that at all. <laughs> all right, Ned Beatty's wife isn't a redneck. All right, well, we don't know that, Dan. I'm just saying, let's not take wow. it for granted. Way to keep one foot on shore over here, Dan. <laughs> You open us up to a real libel suit <laughs> from Mr. and Mrs. Beatty. And I don't mean Warren Beatty and Annette Bening. They are lovely. All right. I mean, we're so close to the end. Okay, so uh, the mummy attacks the place where the crypts, where the Crusader Knights are. Those Crusader Knights come to life, and now they work for the mummy. It's like, do you guys forget why you brought the gem here in the first place? Because I did. Why did you bring that gem here in the first place? What did you think it was? And Amonette puts the gem on the dagger. Uh-oh. And it does something that, Stuart, I think you said you like. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's, it like suctions in there like it's a magnet. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> like, it. It reminds me of the first time I got, I got a laptop where there was a magnet in the charger thing, and I held it up to the charging port, and it just kind of finished the job. And I was like, that's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> the future's now. <laughs> that, saved me, <laughs> that saved me a millimeter of movement. Thank you, Apple. <laughs> Well, it's that last that, millimeter that's the hardest. Yeah, that was worth losing the ability to play CDs or DVDs on my computer. Thank you. That was worth you putting a proprietary port on everything and then changing it every couple of years. Sure. Yeah. There, there is going to come a time when Apple has a new kind of electricity that we all have to use. <laughs> it's like, I guess i got to rewire my house for Apple current. And Apple's going to electrocute an elephant to show us how good it is. Yeah. Terrible. Thanks for nothing, Apple. <laughs> Tim Cook with your Cook's Tours of Europe. Okay. Does he do those? <laughs> oh, but Anthony Bourdain did, which I think brought the audience down. Yeah, uh, the Cook's too. Tour was... I think you're reading way too much. Okay. That, <laughs> anyway. Uh, there's a, there, Jenny drowns in the flooded tunnel. I don't remember how they got in the flooded tunnel. Nick gets captured, and the mummy is beating the shit out of him. Uh, but Nick uses this. He's a thief steals the dagger out from under her very mummified nose, and after briefly beating her up a little bit, stabs himself with the dagger. Ah, uh, and he shakes around, and he gets double-pupiled like her, and the gem goes dark, and the dagger shatters, and yeah. now he's set. Yeah, the this God is the moment I look over at Ellie, and I'm like, this is gonna be good. And the mummy... So it, then he choke slams a woman a bunch. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he starts picking up the mummy and just hammering her into the ground, and it's like... Ah, knowing she's a deadly mummy this is kind of not cool this is what the audience wants to see is like the leader of a crazy fucking religious cult beating up a woman <laughs> and then he chooses and then i guess this is turnabout as fair play but he chooses the most demeaning way to kill the mummy he gives her a big old kiss on the lips and she shrivels up and he's like ah i've regained myself i remembered who i am and i'm no longer set the death god and he screams at jenny until she wakes up and comes back to life and it's like, even that, it's like, how do I bring my beloved back to life? With a kiss? No, I'll just yell at her until she wakes up. Jenny, we're late. Get Stu alive. <laughs> Stupid Jenny. dead body. Jenny, my boss is waiting for us. <laughs> I am not... <laughs> Jenny, Steely Dan is already two songs in, probably. <laughs> Get up. Anyway, and so Nick goes to the shadows. He's now some kind of monster creature. What kind? We don't know. A mummy, I guess. We can't see him because... The shadow's reenacting the Carlitos Way poster. And he's given up his humanity for Jenny. And so he disappears and walks off into the darkness. Just like uh, Forrest Gump did, right? 
Um, <laughs> walks off into the darkness. No, he traded his humanity for Jenny. <laughs> I, I, a weird so. reading of that movie, but... I guess so. I think that's what happened. Like, that, that feather is his soul, and he allows it to... <laughs> yeah. And Anubis is going to weigh it against another a feather, A box I of chocolates, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty clear in the text there, dude. It's like... Anubis weighs your heart against a box of chocolates, but Anubis keeps eating the chocolate, so it's like, wait, 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 you're making that box lighter. That's not fair. And uh, Which is crazy, because he's, uh, he's a dog-headed deity, and chocolate is bad terrible for, him. Yeah. for dogs. Yeah. He's going to be weighing his own soul soon. Oh, boy. So yeah. Dr. Jekyll shows up, and he talks to Jenny about how now Nick's out there trying to find out if he's good or evil, and Nick brings Vale back to life, and they go back to the desert. And Dr. Jekyll says... They're going to search the world for a cure, a cure for the curse, but uh, he'll always fight the evil in him. And Nick is like, let's go on an adventure. Like, I don't think he's looking for a cure. And they put Aminette back in her mercury box. Come back another day in the next Dark Universe movie, which I assume is going to be called, like, Frankenstein's Pal. <laughs> <laughs> so we then, uh, we then fast-forwarded through the credits, hoping for some kind of post-credits scene. I wanted a scene where, where they're like, there's a, a Dr. Jekyll's in his office. Just reading a book, as I always do. I'm a refined, <laughs> intelligent Oxbridge gentleman. And the phone rings. And, totally and, and normal book. There's an intercom that goes, uh, Dr. Jekyll, the other doctor is here to see you. Uh, what other doctor? He says his name is Frankenstein, but that doesn't happen. Or I was waiting for it to be like, another, a man is here to see you. His name, he says his name is Man, Wolf Man. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, this or, reminds me of uh, the the trailer that you said you always wanted to see, Stuart, where like someone runs down the hall in the White House and comes in and goes, Mr. President, have you ever heard of a werewolf? <laughs> Which I think is the most amazing thing. What yeah. is this werewolf doing that's a national issue? <laughs> I mean, that's what the, the, your imagination's for, Elliot. Because I have to imagine the rest of the movie? Or? <laughs> yeah, that's what a trailer's all about. It's a yeah. teaser. He's what I was really hoping for was a scene where Russell Crowe, you know, Dr. Jekyll, is reading a totally normal book and not a collection of uh, pornography that he printed off the internet and bound, self-bound at a Kinko's. Uh, no, oh, it's not. He doesn't have like a bookbinding apparatus in his garage or something. <laughs> no, and he's uh, and he's he, falling he asleep at his across, desk. He slides across the counter at Kinko's. He's like, "Can you bind this for me? Don't look at it." Uh, and he falls asleep at his desk, and he wakes up in a dream world, and we hear a familiar voice say, I think you need a new member of your dark universe, bitch. Freddy! Wow. And Freddy Krueger steps out into, into frame. Yeah. yeah, or what about if it was He's like... He's a universal monster, right? No. What if it was like... I mean, I think Elliot Fear is a I universal mean, he's language. Un He's universal in the sense that we all love him. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He's a universal monster that he exists in all cultures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much yeah. like much like the trickster god or a story of a flood. Yeah. Uh, or if it was like he's, uh, he's like, we need another monster, and Jane Fonda walks out and she goes, How about a monster in law? Mm -hmm. And then Lily Tomlin walks out and goes, No, we're Grace and Frankie now. Yeah. All right. Uh we're running late, so let's um I just want to say one thing. Okay, quick. Okay. Oh, and it, may, it can be part of my final judgment. Okay, okay yeah. And this is where we do final judgments. Dark judgments. A good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Elliot, you were going to say something, so... Bad, bad guys. But anyway, let's get to what I was going to say. I love the Universal Monsters. I love them to death, even beyond death, like many of the monsters themselves. 
There was a time when my wardrobe consisted mainly of Universal Monsters t-shirts and black jeans. They make t-shirts like those for guys bigger than me. Did I tuck in those t-shirts? Damn straight I did. Anyways, so here's what I was going to say. There is no one who would rather see a revitalized Universal Monsters more than me. And no one who would like to see it less than the descendants of the monster actors themselves who make nothing off these movies. Uh, that's not true. They make a little bit thanks to the uh, court battle they had a few years ago. But anyway, so, but they are doing <laughs> well, it. They're you doing refute it. your own point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy like Jekyll and Hyde. They, uh, they are doing it like so weirdly by trying to make them into kind of like action-y, like they're trying to make them into superhero movies. The idea that what the monsters are now going to team up and be a team that fights other monsters, like whereas in the old Universal monster crossover movies, they were just a bunch of monsters that fought each other and ate people, and it would be like the only good one was the Wolfman because he was always trying to get cured, but he never could. But why would you try to start this with the Mummy of all monsters? Is there a less dynamic monster than the Mummy? And I know there's a lot of mum heads out there. But let me just say this. Sure, they tried it first with Dracula. It didn't work. Of course they did. Dracula is the diamond in the crown in that he's sexy, which the other universal monsters are not. Go to Frankenstein. Dude, not mummy. What are you thinking? It go, here's the hierarchy of universal monsters. Dracula up top. Two reasons. Sexy has a medal. He was in the Olympics. <laughs> Number two, Frankenstein. Goes without saying. He's Not, like the Chewbacca of the team. Exactly. He's the Chewbacca of the Universal Monsters. He's sympathetic even though he rips the arms off of people, as seen in Son of Frankenstein. Anyway, uh, number three, you guessed it, Wolfman. Yeah, 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 of course. I'll tell you why. Everyone can relate to him. Everyone goes through a time in their life when they have just too much hair. So. I mean, you're still in that time, Alan. And I will be forever, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a curse that we pass on from generation to generation so in my put, family. Do you put the mummy above Gilman? No, I don't. I'll tell you why. Gilman, beautiful design. Gorgeous. Uh -huh. So beautiful, women want to have sex with him. He's sexy, too. <laughs> there was a movie about it. It won Best Picture. Guillermo del Toro is rebooting Universal Monsters so much better than Universal is right now. I want him to keep doing off-brand Universal Monster movies where women have sex with each of these monsters. <laughs> Okay, next. Oh, we don't have time. You, Do it fast. You think I'm going to say mummy. No, Metaluna Mutant from this island Earth. Oh, God, come on. <laughs> we sympathize with him because he can't tie his shoes because he has pincers for hands, and his brain is exposed. He's very vulnerable. He's the emo monster. All right. Then finally, mummy. Okay. You know why you put him last? Why? Because he's all wrapped up in himself. Okay. Uh, my final judgment is bad, bad. Stuart. Guys. All right. <laughs> no, this was a bad, bad movie. Uh, yeah, there was just so many flashbacks. What's up with that, Dan? Why all the flashbacks? Uh, you know, something about the mommy makes us nostalgic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was the movie that thought we couldn't understand the concept of evil mummy comes back. And so it has that to makes it sound like Evil Mummy like comes back to his hometown. <laughs> <laughs> it's his high school reunion. Yeah. And he's like, I guess I should show up. Or she, it's a woman in this yeah. one. Oh, I guess I should show them what I've accomplished in 20 years. Nothing. 
I live at the same tomb with the same scarabs. <laughs> the same wrappings. <laughs> same old wrappings. They're like, Mommy, you were really the BMOC, Big Mummy on campus. Like, what's, what's, what with all that promise? <laughs> you were voted most likely to be exhumed. Like, what's, uh, what's been going on with you? Oh, nothing. I don't know what I'm doing in my life. It's like young adult, basically, but with a mummy. Yeah, so, all right. So, uh, yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is, Universal, keep trying. Hey, we're Ben and Adam, and we're here to tell you about our Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation. Why should I listen to a Star Trek podcast? You may be asking yourself. Well, ours is actually good and funny. We joke around, we uh, we have a lot of fun, we talk about film production techniques that are used in Star Trek. We love to break down the stories and the characters, and we just have a blast while we're doing it. It's kind of like sitting around with a couple of buds, having a beer, and talking about an episode of one of your favorite shows. So go to MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to The Greatest Generation. Yeah, whatever you're using to listen to this, just have it find us and subscribe. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we ma- we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, this song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. Hey guys, it's Dan, your old buddy Dan. You remember me, you were just listening to me in a different form on the live show. And because it's a live show, you know what that means. A solo ad read from yours truly. Hey, I'm not going to bring the zazz this time. I'm going to be up front with you. Very little zazz. I got a cough that I've had for months, uh, which the doctor is not clearing up. I, uh, I took my cat to the vet. Cat's got gum disease. It's being taken care of. Don't worry about Archie. He's going to do just fine. He's not in pain right now. He just needs a little work done. But, uh, you know, it's not fun. And it's very rainy and glum outside, and I'm just sitting here alone in a room talking to myself. So I, I don't got a lot of zazz. But you know what deserves zazz is Casper, the mattress, not the ghost. Support for the Flophouse comes from Casper, a sleep brand dedicated to continuing to revolutionize this line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed and engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. And if you've never had your geometry cradled, oh boy, you're in for a treat. There's free shippings and returns in the U.S. and Canada, and you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. That's 100 nights so you could sleep on a mattress without paying for it. Wow. Wow. Where, where, where can you get that deal? Not in a hotel. I'll tell you that. I tried to sleep in a hotel for 100 nights. They wanted money. Hey, I have a Casper mattress, and it's great. No complaints from old Dano. I mean, that's not true. I've got a lot of complaints, but they're not related to the comfort of my mattress. 
So uh, why don't you get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash flophouse and using promo code flophouse at checkout. That's casper.com slash flophouse and promo code flophouse for $50 toward select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. Here's a Jumbotron going out over the earwaves. It's uh, for Jack, and it's from Jenna, or perhaps Ginna, because it begins with a G. I'm going to guess Jenna, but maybe it's Ginna. Happy birthday, Jackster. You've got a wild schedule between taking care of baby wildlife and listening to the Flophouse in the shower, so I'm always grateful we get to hang. You are the funniest person I know. Nobody makes me laugh harder. I'm so proud of all you've accomplished in just a quarter century. Cheers to the next 25 years. Love, Jenna Organa. That's very nice. Hey, uh, we got a couple of items of business, but I won't try and take up more of your time. Uh, there's a t-shirt contest ongoing. It uh, will you. It's designed a t-shirt for the Flophouse. Win a prize, including um, picking a movie for us to to do on the show. Uh, and if you go to the website, which is flophousepodcast.com, click on, there's the blog section. I put up a post that says t-shirt contest that has all of the, uh, details that I won't get into here, but it has all the technical specs you need and everything like that. And we're doing a lot of, uh, touring coming up in the summer and early fall. In June, we'll be in Portland. That's June 8. July 13th, we'll be in Minneapolis. Uh, on the 28th of September, we'll be in Boston. The early show has sold out. That's a 7 p.m. show, but we've added a 9.45 p.m. show where things get a little sexier. And then on October the 12th, we'll be in Los Angeles. Uh, but I won't waste any more of your time with my irritating ramblings. Listen to my irritating ramblings, uh, broken up by the irritating ramblings of my co-hosts. Back at the show. All right, uh, we have a little time to do our final segment, which is answer a few questions from the audience, if people have questions. That you may not have questions. You that's may okay. not. That's, that's fine. Or you may Maybe have questions. Maybe we answered We're all of them. We're a bunch of idiots. So. For this part, we stand up, because we've been sitting but for a while, and we're old now. There's a microphone somewhere. Over there. Over there? Stage right, house left. There's a microphone. All right, so until... Try right, not to trample each other. Get in that microphone. Over. This is not the coronation of a czar. We don't need a crowd to be trampled to death. That kind of stuff would happen back then. Because they were all running from vampires or something. Okay, we guys. We probably won't have time to get through everyone, I warn you. I apologize, and we're going to have even less time because I gotta say Seattle. <laughs> it's a great day, Seattle. The place that's known for its cattle, Seattle. That's a rhyme I stole from Weird Al in <laughs> a song about Seattle. So we're here at the Neptune Theater, surrounded by stained glass images of <laughs> Neptune. A guy who can ride a horse or a dolphin. What can this guy not ride? <laughs> the Neptune Theater, because we're next to the sea. Add a T and a T and an L and an E. You got Seattle. And now we're going to answer some questions from the people of this great town. Turn that smile back into a frown, then turn it back into a smile. 
because it's time for those questions from Seattle. Thanks, everybody. All right. Yeah. Question time. Dan, you remember that uh, you'd gotten those human resources complaints about climbing under tables. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Morgan. Uh, last name withheld. I'm Morgan. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, you are here. Thank you so much for the show. I loved it. Uh, two quick things. One, there's a post-show uh, meetup at the College of the Pub. Okay. If anyone wants to come out, we'll have some drinks. How close is that from here? <laughs> okay, we can do that if it's a college and pub. All right, yes. we were going to recommend another bar, but we have no attachment to that other bar, so <laughs> we'll go to the college and pub. College and pub. I guess everyone. where people go to get their lips pub. College and college pub. pub. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to promote the fact that we also have a little. After the show, we do have some shirts and some posters. We're only selling at live shows uh, this year. Yeah. Um, and who we'll knows what will happen next year? Yeah, who knows? Uh, and we'll be signing. Them Might all be dead. Yeah, we. Dan. What? <laughs> Sorry, having... we'll be signing stuff afterwards if anyone's interested yeah. in that. So, what's your question, sir, yeah. Morgan? So my my question is: as we learned from the Mummy, monsters are very funny. Uh -huh. uh, we be... knew that before we watched the Mummy. <laughs> if you had to be seduced by a monster. Well, we know Elliot's not going to pick mummies. Right, of Frankenstein, Elsa Lanchester. Come on, but not as the bride, as Mary Shelley earlier in the movie, when she is very cleavage. I'm going to say a werewolf because you know sometimes he's a bad boy. But he's trying to be good, you know. Yeah, you try. You can tame him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can. <laughs> was Ingrid Pitt a vampire in the Vampire Lovers, or was she just a victim of a vampire? I don't remember. Dan, the, the answer is the, Ingrid Pitt. Those, <laughs> I think, Dan, those types of vampire movies are more at your speed. <laughs> I like the vampire movies that are black and white, where Bela Lugosi's in them, and he's Dracula. I like a movie where a woman vampire seduces another woman vampire. <laughs> I'm not judging you by what you like. All right. I'm saying what I like. Give me the Lagos. Thank you. Anyway, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, just, yeah, just rip yeah, it out. Open mic night. Uh, for those at home, uh, a man took the microphone off the stand. <laughs> <laughs> it was a feat of strength. I'm about to run across the stage, so uh, okay, get ready for that. John, last name withheld. Um, I was listening to the podcast today as I was walking my dog around Indian Lake, Seattle. And <laughs> Don't pander to your own hometown. <laughs> Pandering. Yes, thank you. And I was listening to episode 77. Don't know uh, which one that is. Skyline. 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 Oh, yeah, that's a movie. And you guys mentioned... Uh, Based on the Chili franchise. <laughs> yeah. And you, got, and you guys mentioned there was a, a more interesting movie going on in the background that was not our main character. So can you guys think of any other movies where there is a more interesting movie going on that is not the movie that the main, uh, that the movie is focused on, the main character there, that is in the setting or the background? Not the A plot. Exactly. I mean, this is not to disparage the movie it appears in, 
in 12 Monkeys and make much hay about the movie Vertigo. And Vertigo is a better movie than 12 Monkeys. <laughs> Which 12 it's Monkeys is the same not thing. a bad movie. Well, okay, then it's the part in Overdrawn at the Memory Bank when Casablanca starts playing. Okay. And you get whiplash from the gulf between those two films. Um, I think that, like, pretty much every comedy has, like, a less interesting lead than the supporting characters. Yeah. Uh, this is, like, a cop-out answer, because I'm not getting specific about anything. But I feel like they make, they're like, oh, the supporting characters can be funny. I want to know what Judy Greer's up to. (laughs) (laughs) I hit uh, my pocket. Yeah. Oh, I thought... Now it works. A slide came up. Now somehow this works. A slide came up from Stuart's presentation that said, game over, and I was like, computer, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> Caddy computer. Dan's computer is the Samantha of us. Stuart, do you have any answer, or do you I mean, want to uh, pass? I mean, like, the moment in Prometheus where he, where Michael Fassman is looking at the screen. Oh, wow, I like this part. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that quite answers it, but uh, that's the best I can do. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. Next question. I think I should have sent this in earlier. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Uh, Even if you sent it earlier, Dan would be like, I forgot to look for these. Uh, Here, let's (laughs) do this one. We Uh, have someone in an original Rocket Crocodile t-shirt, so uh, that's exciting. (laughs) Collector's item. Hi, uh, Tristan. uh, Last name withheld. Uh... There's a scene in the movie in the rural Anglican church where uh, the Princess Aminette makes it very clear that like she likes Tom Cruise's body. Yeah, she's yeah. rubbing all over it, yeah. She actually like checks his teeth like a horse. And yeah. I mean, she's he gonna has put, good teeth. I mean, she's going to put set in that body. She's got to make sure she's got good coppers. Yeah. Well, since apparently all set wants to do is eat ice cream and all the foods he can't get. It's like, how's set going to enjoy a corn cob if <laughs> this guy doesn't have good teeth? Uh, so my question is, uh, uh, if you had to pick an actor to be the vessel for an ancient god, which actor and which god? I mean, I'd say Mads Mikkelsen, but any god would be lucky to get into that vessel. <laughs> but I guess, you know what? Hephaestus has had a pretty hard time of it. He deserves a good bod now. So you want to put Hephaestus in Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah, okay. dude. Can you see Mads Mikkelsen like sweating over a forge? That would be amazing. Cool. I, I think it'd be funny just for the, the larfs of it. But unlike or- mine, which was a very serious <laughs> proposition, <laughs> Hephaestus, Mads, get in touch with me. <laughs> put Thor into Steve Buscemi, <laughs> just to see how he dealt with that. And not, and not a different Hemsworth brother. <laughs> Uh, man, <laughs> I'm blanking. Uh, I would say I would put Zeus, our all-knowing uh, lightning god, who's also super fucking cool. Um, uh, just because he's like, I'm a swan now, do me. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm a summer rain, do me. I'm, I'm a shower of gold. I would put it in Dan McCoy's body. Done. <laughs> I guess technically I qualify. Is Stuart and I are in Snatchers, a low-budget comedy that hasn't uh, been released. Yeah, a movie that hasn't been released. So look for that on, I guess, probably some streaming platform at some point. Great question. Next question, please. 
Hi, Aaron, last name withheld. Hello. Uh, now, that, now that the dark universe has been successfully uh, I think it's time to move on to other platforms. You have such a great musical writer. What kind of dark universe musical? Oh, boy. <laughs> Here's the thing. Young Frankenstein was on Broadway. Didn't really do Frankenstein in music the way I wanted them to. <laughs> Too many jokes. So here's what I want to do. <laughs> going to be real serious, real dark. But I want to open it up to the great monsters as well. So like Dracula, Sweeney Todd, uh, someone from Into the Woods, I don't know. Uh, Aaron Burr. Um, <laughs> who's the bad guy in Rent, the landlord, I guess? And, uh, and I guess the head of the Russians in Fiddler on the Roof. And I guess, yeah, throw the, mo the mommy in there. I the bad know. guy in Rent is the idea of having to pay for something. <laughs> oh, so it's a libertarian thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, I get, you're trying to get me to sing a song. <laughs> and I want to so badly that I can see how mad it would make Dan. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to work on it. Send a letter in. The flop house to remind me to get on here. Oh wow! The tease. Elliot's the handing out the homework. Hi, uh, David. Last name withheld. Um, Hello. Uh, so, uh, Dark Universe being dead. Uh, Tom Cruise being featured. Cool, because he hasn't done that since like the last. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, not since the Super Mario Brothers. So what is a what 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 is a setup for a sequel that's never happened at this point? Well, I mean, Remo Williams, the adventure begins. <laughs> the adventure never continued. It just sort of stopped. It began and then like immediately stopped like a second later. Dan's looking at me like I had something to do with it. <laughs> I mean, also, Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League never came about. I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely disappointed they weren't able to do the first murder of the I like the first one a lot. I know it didn't make money. Okay, chill out. Uh, but no, I thought it was fun. They put a lot of work in the time. That Taylor Kitsch, you know, I think uh, just needs the right role. Obviously, it's Gambit, right? It's Gambit. Everyone's favorite character, Gambit. I thought Channing Tatum was going to be. Taylor, can you play Gambit in that terrible movie, oh, right? The, Wolverine, the one we watch for the show that we do? Oh, yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. The movie that... I mean, some, Dead, that Deadpool somehow, worked. Yeah. Somehow spun off Deadpool, even though Deadpool is the worst character in that movie, because he can't talk. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, Deadpool, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what you, that's your answer to the question? No, uh, let's see. Uh, well, when I was a kid, yeah. there were a lot of rumors about a second Space Wolf. And they kept saying that it was going to be called, these are what kids around the play yard would tell me, they weren't telling me that hoverboards are real. Parents just don't want them on the market. Yeah. Uh, or if you, if you beat Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out in a specific way, you'll fight a guy named Ray Trashman. Trashy. <laughs> yeah. So these are very regional specific ones, I guess. Yeah. But I, I, I was told there's going to be a Spaceballs parody. It's going to be called Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2. And I'm like, and I don't know who came up with that joke somewhere in Playground Land, but that's a funny idea for the name of a sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was disappointed as a kid that that never happened. All right. Sounds good. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Catherine, last name withheld. 
My question comes with a small gift. Oh, our favorite kind, because we're not from here, and we have to travel afterwards. <laughs> I, I thought about that, yeah. Uh, this is Karate Dog, a DVD. Oh, I'm going I'm to yes, come over and take Karate Featuring Dog. Featuring the voice of Chevy Chase. I now have Thank you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie I've only seen the ending of. Oh, now uh, you get the whole movie. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, and I picked this up in a grocery store Oh, bin. John Voight's in this. <laughs> Seal of quality. Oh, man, look at his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Doolittle meets Enter the Dragon. Okay, well, finally, I, my fi brain cannot comprehend that. They finally met. So, uh, thank you very much. Do you have a question also or a story? I or? do, yes. Um, I was curious, what are your favorite good, good, and good, bad dog movies? Oh. Ooh. Good, bad. I, I remember, I just vaguely remember from, like, being a child that on HBO, Oh Heavenly Dog was on all the time. Okay. Where Chevy Chase died and came back as a dog. And I believe had to solve perhaps his own murder? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there's, I don't... there's no possible way of finding out what... It's been lost to time, the, uh, the plot of Oh Heavenly Dog. But I liked All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. Except That's a dog didn't. movie. They didn't. There's a dog hell in that movie. Anyway, my favorite good, good movie about dog, I guess, would be Umberto D. The Italian neorealist classic <laughs> about a, a poor man and his dog. And I guess my favorite, I don't actually, I don't know. I know as a kid, I know because it was on HBO all the time, that I saw Wonton Tom, the dog who eats Hollywood, but I don't remember it at all. So maybe that, I don't know. I think let's do two more, and I really apologize for everyone else who's in the line, but we do what have a time that we're supposed fast? to be out here. What if it's uh, super fast? No, we don't have time. Yeah. But I promise you that if you come down afterwards while well, we're signing things, that we will answer questions if you have good questions. But uh, <laughs> if you have bad questions, we'll you know if laugh you at you. If you have bad questions, get out of here. <laughs> sorry, sorry so much. Um, anyway, yes. uh, Connor, uh, last name is all from Megan's picture. Dan, uh, on the podcast, we do the detail of your movie collection uh -huh. uh, over and over again and reorganizing that. But I was wondering. <laughs> For the rest of you guys, uh, what's your most like prized uh, movie memorabilia or, or something you can mention? Not to steal it or anything like that. Don't worry. I just know I have a pretty good idea of what you were going to say. Oh, well, you know what my most prized piece of movie memorabilia exactly. is. It's yeah. not a DVD. It's my Gertie the Dinosaur drawing, which listener Michael Waite arranged for me to receive. And I am truly thankful for it every day. And I hung it up on my wall in a nice pretty frame. I look at it every day. It inspires me. I, original drawing from Gertie the Dinosaur. And I know I was excluded from this question because of we, for reasons unknown. But uh, I have a couple of signed DVDs. Like uh, Andy Serkis signed my two towers, and uh, Terry oh, Jones. Whoa. Terry Jones signed. <laughs> Terry Jones signed my uh, Life of Ryan DVD. So those are nice movie things. And I have a promotional still. All the sold. Now, this piece of movie art has been autographed by star Jonathan Winter. And in his words, on the piece of memorabilia, it reads, I ripped it off myself. <laughs> Referring to his penis. Well, ding-dong, specifically. Last question. 
Uh, okay, so Stu. Um, yes. You're, you're guilty. You're, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Erica, last name spelled. Um, you had an anxiety dream about weird people coming into the bar when you're trying to close it and getting behind the bar and taking all your alcohol. Uh huh. It was basically the plot of the movie Mother. Actually, it was the. Uh, actually, it was the plot of um, the Arthur segment of the uh, Star Wars uh, holiday special. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so your nightmare oh, is <laughs> to be B. Arthur. What, what holiday specials give the, other, uh, the rest of you nightmares? I'll and uh, also I have, I have something for Elliot that I think. Yeah, I'll oh, be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest that uh, the reason that I said two more questions is I saw that this question answer had a glowing cube. <laughs> and I was like. Seems like a cosmic oh, cube oh, yeah. of some kind. I'll keep it. Very safe, by which I mean I will give it to the person Thanos is most likely to go to <laughs> to get it. Thank you very much. No, but the, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I will not give there, it to Stu because he is the Tom Bombadil of the group. There's yeah. a so there's a <laughs> there's a Christmas uh, special that, that called claymation one. There's a Christmas no. There's a Christmas special called Noel. Which is about uh, <laughs> this glass blower has a tear of joy when he blows this glass uh, ornament, and so Noel is this glass ornament, and he keeps going, "I've got a happiness in me," despite the fact that in the course of this uh, this special, he gets put up in the attic year after year, only comes out once a year, and gets to have joy once a year. Eventually, the owners of him die, and he, he lives in a, a broken-down, decrepit house. And then, in, finally, the new owners come and find him, and he immediately shatters. Oh. And he falls off the... I mean, they try and make it a happy ending, by the happiness within him is then loosed out. And he can finally see oh. Jesus in the manger, which he had an obstructive view of before. I see. And so, it's a very highly... Religious, uh... Oh, yeah, that's all in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I fumbled over the story of that, but it was just so baffling. I don't know if there's a way to no, tell that story great. without fumbling. Yeah. Uh, mine, it would, I guess there was that claymation special ago that I only have scattered memories of like, dinosaurs in it and stuff. And I just remember... Yeah, like, it was a, a dinosaur Gene Siskel and Robert, Roger Ebert, basically. Yeah, yeah, and they're like guys with bells for heads. And they play yeah. Like, one of the bell songs. Carol the Bells. And I just remember being a little Jewish boy being like, I thought I understood this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, apparently I don't. It made me feel so alone in the universe. All right. So I guess that's the, the end of the show. Uh, thank you big, all big for finish. coming. Wait a big No, it's a big finish. Yeah, big finish. Big finish. Uh, we're going to be at a bar, <laughs> the name of which I've forgotten. College Inn. Anyone remember? College Inn. College Inn. Yeah. College Inn Pub. It's a pub, damn. But before that, we're going to be downstairs or wherever the merch is. I can't remember. It's over that way it's in the hallway, right. Dan. I didn't deal with the merch. I was in here making sure that the slideshows kind of works. <laughs> uh, but thank you all <laughs> this, so much for is, coming. This is the part of the show where it's like the end of a family holiday where all the grievances <laughs> come out. <laughs> you thank never, you wouldn't pay for my school, but you'd pay for his school. <laughs> thank you for coming. <laughs> Thanks to the Neptune Theater for being so nice to us. Thanks, Seattle.
For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm still Elliot Kalin. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night. This episode of the show. Oh, that's not how I do it. Nope. Okay. Re-rack it. Take two. No more fooling around. I'm going to call that an unforced error. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.